Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 487. At the heart of the battle, where the blood of the innocents flow and only the monstrous survive. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys doing How today? How are you monstrous fellas? <laughs> Pretty good. How about you? Monstrous. Pretty good. <sighs> Did you guys do anything fun this week? Um, not really. <laughs> we got together with the kid, the grandkids. Saw them for the first time in months, I think. Mm. So that, that was fun. That's fun. Did you guys watch anything? Any, has anybody watched the Snyder Cut? I nope. Did. You did watch it, Keith? I did not. You did not. Sean did. Sean did, okay. What'd you think? A, com- uh, a spoiler-free take. I enjoyed it. I think it is much better and much stronger than the theatrical cut. Um, and in many ways, quite to my surprise, I tried to go into it with an open mind, but uh, I am not the largest fan of... Snyder's Superman movies, um, but this was a, a very strong kind of uh, end to the trilogy, as it were. It's still too long. It still has problems, but uh, yeah, I, w- I was quite impressed. I'm in the same boat. I I went into it kind of a, with low expectations and expecting not to like it, since I too am not a fan of Snyder's Superman films. But uh, I was, yeah, I was the same way. I I think it's entirely too long. I think it was an effort to put everything in that was shot, but and and very unnecessary. But well, if they, you cut out some of the slow mo, you could knock an hour off. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> um, there are some choices that I thought were probably not necessarily as necessary as far as well. One particular would be a certain particular suit. Um, there, <laughs> there's no reason for it. There's a reason for it in the comics. There's not. They don't give us a reason for it in this one so that was just fan service is really all it was but overall i was the same i i i did it did take me three sittings to get through it and i think part of that's because the i think the first third to maybe half of the movie is really slow there's way too much set up um it does explore the characters very well and it gives you a lot more i think character building than the theatrical cut did the whedon cut um, but it, it's still way too long. They, they, they go way into too much stuff, but, uh, the last half of the movie is just a really good and kept me captivated all the way to the end. So I was impressed as well. I thought, uh, Snyder did a good job. Um, uh, but I, I, I think I, if somebody could have railed him in a little bit on the time and, and some of the things that could have been, should have been cut, uh, they should have done that, but. For what it is, it's what it is. I'll say what's really interesting about it is, you know, for not being a fan, we did go back and we rewatched Man of Steel, um, which I still have colossal problems with. And uh, then we watched Bat Soup, which originally I loathed. I really was not a fan of it, even though it retroactively made Man of Steel better. I will say that on this watch, and of course we, we did the extended cut, um, but on this watch, I did enjoy it more. I still don't know that I liked it. It still has colossal problems uh, in, in that second uh, chapter. Um, but I, I began to see a little bit more of what 
I think Snyder was going for with the kind of epic mythology of the DC characters. And that's something that Justice League really kind of brought to the forefront to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and another friend kind of described it that, you know, the Marvel movies are comic books and the DC movies are graphic novels. <laughs> and I think there's, I think there's a certain amount of truth to <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. that. The DC is really trying for that kind of prestige uh, format. And um, Snyder did it. I mean, he, he really, you know, very overindulgent, but not necessarily That's a good word. Overindulgent. It was very overindulgent. Having not seen it, it also seems to me that the fans clamoring for the Snyder Cut didn't actually get the Snyder Cut because there is no way this four-hour movie would have no, gone to the theaters. No, no, this is. In fact, I think that's. I think it's aptly named uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm glad that they've kind of dropped that whole Snyder Cut idea because you're absolutely right. There, there are a lot of things in this. Although there's a certain cameo that I was assured was part of it was shot later and added to, but part of it, the thought that I thought was the part that I thought was added in, I'm trying to be very spoiler free here, but the part that I thought was added in, I found out later was not, it was intended to be in the original version. So I was a bit surprised by that. Uh, there were a couple of other things that I was surprised were original things, but I agree with Keith. I think it's, there is very much a lot of things that, were not originally part of the vision. So, yeah, I think I read somewhere that Snyder had kind of an original, um, uh, his first edit, his work print edit, uh, that he showed to the DC executives clocked in at just over four hours. And when the whole Snyder cut business really got the momentum behind it and people were clamoring for this four hour edit, he, he kept trying to back them off of that saying, guys, that wasn't really the movie. I mean, there, there were no visual effects in it. There was no this. It was just kind of the, this is what we've got so far. We're still assembling it. And then I think once everything kind of mounted and fandom started really getting behind it, I think he kind of just decided to swing for the fences and go for broke. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> cool. Did you guys watch anything else? First episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier was yeah, good. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that as well. Sean, you haven't kind seen it, nice... right? That, that'll be tomorrow night? That'll be tomorrow night, yep. Once, once again, we were about four days behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that for like six weeks because since it's a shorter run. Yeah, it's yeah. only six episodes. Yeah, it was a good setup to the series. I think it's uh, it, it hits the right hits the right beats, hits the right tone, and I think it it it's a, it, it was a very intriguing first episode. Um, and it really it it yeah, it, I definitely want more. It feels very much like an MCU movie, very much from just even the first 40, 45 minutes we've gotten. So, yeah, I thought it had a very much a Captain America Winter Soldier feel to it. Mm-hmm. I would which agree. Is one of my favorite, so I, I'm all okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice slow burn at the beginning. I appreciated. I don't think I watched anything else. Uh, well, we watched Iron Man because uh, we're still on our chronological watch through so everybody is stuck with it i'm 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 afraid uh well i guess iron man 2 is next but i'm afraid when we do um incredible hulk <laughs> i'm gonna lose a couple of them but that's all right although holly's pretty sure she hadn't seen it so we've only got a couple more episodes left of staged season two which i don't know if i'm enjoying quite as much as season one it's almost become a even. It's become more meta and then somehow a bit more serious. I don't know. It just 
the humor is not quite landing with me as much as it did the first season. It's funny you say that because the reviews that I've seen have pretty much echoed what you what you're saying that it it felt felt like it was a little too it's uh, taking itself a little too serious, so the humor doesn't land quite the way the first season did is what I read. Yeah, and like the episode we watched tonight, David Tennant and Michael Sheen weren't really in it together. They were in it, mm-hmm. but they were on their own doing their own thing. So mm-hmm. part of the charm of the show was them interacting with each other. But and, and it was more this episode where it felt like, well, okay, they're kind of really taking a bit more of a serious approach to part of it. And season one had some very heartfelt moments in it. So mm-hmm. it's not like the show has never been serious. Right. It's just, I don't know, part of it feels like, you know, they did a season one and it was so great. And then they did a, took a step back and did a meta continuation and the meta part almost doesn't work. Uh, Sean, do you watch know. anything oh, else? Better review later. Um, we watched uh, Fiddler on the Roof, hmm. which actually was my first time sitting all the way through it. Really? I, I just, it's, it's, oh. it's one that I've, I've, you know, caught bits and pieces of, but usually the songs but uh, it's <laughs> yeah, never all in one sitting it's, it's an enjoyable movie cool all right well no news this week so uh shall we uh move on to our review of the uh first uh big finish war doctor box set the first story the innocence big finish we love stories Doctor. What's your name? Who who are you? Uh, 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 Yes, it's it's all right. It's all right. You you, you, you can tell me. Who are you? uh, No one. Always remember in your hearts the Doctor! The universe is a far more dangerous place without you. I'm afraid I'm dead. Didn't you know? If you want to give me anything, make it peace and quiet. Where are you? Hypocrites. The lot of you. This is it. Doctor. Don't call me that! Lock all weapons on target! You think I'm not a monster? Well, look at me now! Prepare for total extermination of the Time Lords! Look at me! See! See! I'm a monster now, aren't I? Doctor! Nobody of that name here! told you, the TARDIS. Now, go, go, go. No, no, I'm coming with you. Don't be an idiot. I know the Daleks. I know them. The war has finally found me again. You're not a monster. 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 Only the Monstrous. The War Doctor. Volume 1. Bum, bum, bum. Here, here. Yeah. 
And that's just episode one. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That was an involved uh, (laughs) breakdown. (laughs) What's great about this first story is it's a step back. It's the doctor recuperating and recovering and just kind of dealing with the aftermath of him stopping the, um, oh, what was it? The time disruptor. And it's kind of a, a low pay, low key, low pace, not a whole lot happens to story, but it's so good because partially, um, uh, the doctor himself, uh, the portrayal is just, you know, it's a great continuation of what we saw on television. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is rejoice is such a great character. It, the two of them together have such good chemistry that even though not a whole lot happens in it, it's, you know, I'm just waiting for more and more and more because it's so good. Yeah. I think that hits the nail on the head for me. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad setup. As you said, Keith, nothing really happens. Um, but it's kind of an intriguing little premise to be thrown into, you know, the time war without really having a war. It's, you know, the doctor's kind of off convalescing and it's like, Oh, okay. But, the story hinges on the companion and uh or or in this case the uh, audition of a companion and and rejoices such an interesting character and and really just such a joy to to listen to um she she's just kind of got this uh this fascinating hook right off the bat and um then of course it's you know John Hurt I mean I, I imagine his back hurt a little bit from carrying this uh, <laughs> because he does. And it, 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 I'm sure it's effortless because he's just such an absolute joy. I mean, there's a little bit of a thrill there just because, oh, it's John Hurt. But more War Doctor, more of that that we, you know, more of that we don't have a lot of. So we're going to you know really dive into and just hang on his every word. And, uh, and man, I did. Just, just, you know, just talk to me, John. Just go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I 100% agree. I think that, uh, I don't know, I hate to say that he was carrying anything because I think all of the um, performance in this, performances in this are, are standout performances. Um, everybody in there, like, serves a purpose. Everyone uh, really has... Um, something to lend to the story and i just think that all around the the the, the, i think that john hurt stands out for certain um and and i I agree with you i i just was hinging on everyone every word um that came out of his mouth and this is my second time around on these audios so um the uh the now the time disruptor and i did not get this uh, disruptor destructor uh i didn't get this last time but this was the same one that the daleks had in daleks master plan right or the the same mm-hmm. kind of device they had in daleks master plan right because yeah. he made the yeah, he made he made the comment about uh their previous plan on kimball and that's where they were developing that weapon so uh they were needing the um what was it uranium they needed for it from uh, mavic chen so I thought that was a neat mm-hmm. callback, and and then 
course, I'll get ahead of myself just a little bit, but there's another, I think, cool uh, callback and tie-in to or nod to uh, classic Daleks stories as well coming up later. What do you guys think of the new theme that they wrote just for the War Doctor? I like it. I, I've, when I heard, when I sat down and started listening to it this time around, I, I listened to it and I thought, oh gosh, they they re, they reused the Eighth Doctor's early theme. And then I got to thinking about it and I was like, wait a minute, is this familiar to me because I listened to these before and I'm misremembering? And so I did. I had to go look and I realized, oh yeah, I had just complete. I, I knew was familiar with this from the first time I'd listened to it, but I had completely thought they had reused the Eighth Doctor's earlier one before they had gotten rights to something else for him. So, uh, but that being said, uh, to answer your question, yes, I think it it is so well suited for this Doctor. It is so well suited for the the mood that these stories have and the character of the Doctor and and uh, yeah, I really really enjoy it. I also felt like go ahead. I say I also felt like maybe it was a reuse of the Eighth Doctor's theme, um, which was a little disappointing uh, initially, and yet it fits the War Doctor so much better mm-hmm. than it ever would have fit the Eighth Doctor. So. Uh, you know, I come down on being okay with it. The first time I heard it, I it took me a while to realize that it was actually the Doctor Who theme because I thought it was varied enough. And it's not until it gets like halfway through that, I'm like, oh, oh, there it is. Okay, so I thought that's what helped help make it feel more like the War Doctor because he's not trying to be the Doctor. So the theme is also trying not to be the theme while being the theme at the same time. It's definitely an interesting. Uh interesting take on it mm-hmm. in some regards i thought the um the effect of the time destructor was really cool too i mean because in in visual it's easy to do it because you just show you know the doctor aging the the daleks aging sarah kingdom aging but in this in order to do it in our audio you kind of wonder you know how, how do you pull that off and i think they do a really good job by doing that distortion of the audio and drawing it to a complete stop I thought that was kind of a clever effect uh, to give kind of the impression of it of it you know happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Funny, Glenn, that you went with the uh, uh, Daleks' master plan, time destructor, because when I listened to it, the first thought that I had was that it was a callback to the pinball machine. Huh? Because that is the the, the Daleks in the, uh, the the Doctor Who pinball game. Uh, are trying to get the time destructor and the pinball machine talks to you. And so when oh. I heard it, that was, that was where I went with it thinking, Oh, what a cool callback <laughs> completely dismissing the fact that no, it's actually Canon and it's actually in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't even, I was say, I, don't, you think, don't you think the pinball is calling back to Dalek's master plan? Yeah, I think I'm so. Sure it but, probably is. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, I didn't remember that it was the time disruptor. I knew it was the time something that, that, that they were saying, but I don't think I ever, I never realized that they were saying time disrupt, uh, destructor. So, huh, I'll be darned. Just where, just where my brain went. I got all giddy. <laughs> was, oh, that's so cool. And, oh, no, it's not what you think. <laughs> I should know better at this point. It's never what I think. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> 60 years of Doctor Who. I'm sure they got that reference from somewhere. It's not where I think they got it from. <laughs> well, to be fair, your first introduction to the time disruptor, disruptor would have been, or destructor would have been um, 
the pinball game because you well, only <laughs> you only recently watched Dalek's Master Plan within the last uh, couple of years. So yeah, that's when when he did it. That was my first go around. Right. It, so. so that it, it's perfectly understandable why why you had why that's where you landed first. So neat. All right. Well, shall we move on to the next story, which is the Thousand Worlds. Bum bum bum. <laughs> They're all going to be bum bum bum, aren't they, Sean? They're all going to be bum bum bum. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> um, this one I really feel like feels like the meat of the story, and I mean, obviously, this one and the next one are much more tied together than the first one is. Um, other than we we are reintroduced to rejoice many years later, the 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 girl from the first story, and so I think there's a lot more going on here in this story, which I think is actually better than The Innocence. The Innocence is very, very good as a setup story, as a let's re-familiarize ourselves with the war doctor. Um, he's put in a situation where he has to help, you know, uh, another society. It's, it has to be very doctor-like, and he is still even working against or, or, or fighting against that. But this one almost more puts him in his element of the, being the war doctor and the effect of, of him battling Daleks as well. So I think that this one I, I thought was better in the fact that it really felt more like a War Doctor story. And on top of that, you've got, you know, William Hurt, who's just doing a phenomenal job. I really, I love, I love, um, uh, although she's not in it much, uh, Cardinal Alistra, which we'll get more of her uh, as we, as we move along with these two. But I really, really enjoy her, which we, got a little taste of her in the first story as well um i like vecklin a lot i think she's a great character um Saratrix was an interesting character i thought the setup for this was was neat i thought that the the i think it's the cliffhanger of this one where we find out that Saratrix is actually there to try to make peace to uh with the daleks and it's at that point that I thought, okay, this is what an interesting concept. I, unfortunately, later I think something happens that I kind of soured me on the storyline for him. But um, mm-hmm. so that that was that was pretty cool. And then to introduce the what was it the Talians Talians what were they called Talians 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 um, kind of maybe uh, an. Uh, Maybe an unnecessary element in the long run, because well, I'll get. To, I, I I'm too afraid that I'm going to get far ahead of ourselves. So that that's where I landed on this one. I just I really thought it was an enjoyable story and a good setup for the big finale. What's cool about this story is they laid a bunch of groundwork that you didn't realize in the first one, like mm-hmm. the history of Makeska and why the hell these people are here and the planetary defenses, and then you start getting those ideas paid off and explored now that we have a time jump into the future and see how they're all going to tie in together with the time war. Mm-hmm. I thought that was all a good way to tie the two together. And yeah, this is the, the kind of the big action buildup in the story. There's a lot of the, the intrigue and the, the running around in sewer pipes and, you know, trying to figure out <laughs> how to get to this guy before you know, a big reveal or a big twist coming. So it's like the, I, I don't want to go as far as saying the meat, because while there's a lot of plot, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot 
to carry over into the next story. Oh yeah, because this one, while it, it pulls some layers away and gives us an idea of of what's happening here and builds the story up, it is the next one that does a lot of the unveiling of what's happening. This one, in many ways, surprised me because when we come back, anytime we come back to a to a, a situation, it's. I, I, I go into it with much trepidation, because especially when there's a time jump. Normally, I am all about, oh, cool, we're going to go and see what this happened. But when, when there's a time jump, it automatically falls into Chronicles of Narnia land for me, where I think the unforgivable sin of the of the the second book is, well, it's a thousand years later. Well, who cares? <laughs> you, you don't know any of these people. There's there's no you know, there, there's there's almost no continuity between the first and the second. And I, if I were to, you know, pick something out of Doctor Who that we've done relatively recently, uh, what was the uh, Exilius, excellent ex, that one. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but the one, the, the one that... Uh, I know which one you're talking about. You know the one I'm talking about with your guy from uh, Buffy. With, and, uh, yeah, Anthony Head. Anthony had, and it just, you know, oh, we keep going back to this planet, but there's hundreds of years in between stories and they're only kind of sort of very loosely tied together. And it's just like, eh. So when they announced time jump, I was like, oh boy, here we go. But then as Keith said, all of the stuff in the first, well, most of it in the, in the first story is set up that begins to pay off here. And it's done exceptionally well. The structure of this thing is really beautiful with how it, it, it just pulls from it. And as Glenn said, it peels back a layer. It gives you a little bit and, you know, pulls back a little bit more and it gives you a little bit. There's a big adventure story in there. It's very, in some ways, reminiscent for me uh, from Genesis of the Daleks, where we're kind of, uh, you know, going through uh, uh sewers and you know i was expecting a giant clam maybe but uh you know so just <laughs> there, there was a lot of that kind of atmosphere to it it was, it was really cool um you know and, and just just a banger story and once again hey there's john hurt talk to me john and he he just i don't i don't mean to say uh, you know carrying it in a, in a bad connotation as though that nobody else did anything it's just that he makes this so easy to listen to mm because his performance and even with the darkness that starts to tinge in with some of the events and his kind of rueful nature of, you know, he considers himself responsible for the starting the actions, but yet he's still so flippant and funny and he's still the doctor, whether he wants to admit it or not, whether he wants to claim it or not. And, and that just fills me with this, absolute joy that <laughs> some of my favorite doctors give me mm -hmm. and i just get that from droves from john hurt it's mm -hmm. so great yeah i think part of why you know there's that connections that we see in all of these stories and i think the smartest thing they could have done is the fact that they had one writer for all three so it's really one big three-part story yeah as opposed mm -hmm. to three individual stories yeah. So having Nick Briggs write the entire thing, I think, was a smart move. Agreed. It kind of keeps everything kind of concise. It keeps all of the the points that it tries to make and all the, the dots that it connects stay, you know, very finely tuned. And I, I would agree. I think that's that was its 
Um, that was one of its strengths. Yeah. Excellus. That was the one. Mm. Excellus decays. Excellus rising. Yeah. Excellus that that one. Not a fan of that one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> cool. Well, let's move on to the last one. The heart of the battle. Bum bum bum. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. Uh, this was this was my favorite with some reservations, and I think it's my favorite because it's very much in. <laughs> I love when the war doctor is in this particular situation is put a little bit in off on his back footing. He's now he's <laughs> he's uh, uh, come across. Uh, 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 Saratrix and he's (laughs) Saratrix he's he's almost appalled at what Saratrix you know is is trying to do here and he doesn't quite understand and he's so very overt with his are you kidding (laughs) you know it's and he sells it so well and I think that that's uh, it's it's that that I really enjoy of John Hurt almost being the smartest man in the room. Like, I can't believe you guys are doing this. I can't believe that this is, you know, you you think this is going to work, that you're going to be able to broker peace with the Daleks, you know. But at the same time, playing along. Playing along because he knows it's going to further him. And then making that deal with him, saying, okay, if I'll go along with this, but if I can show you that they have ultimately have no reason to broker peace or they don't, they have another plan, will you, you know, relent? And he agrees. And of course, you know where this is going to go. You know, the doctor's going to discover it. You just don't know how yet. And so finding out how and why I think is or what their plan is. Right. And, and that is why I think that the, the layers really start getting pulled back here. Um, I think one of my biggest problems with this is he lets and maybe it's because it's the war doctor and he does make these difficult choices but when he makes the difficult choices that put people in danger or puts them in harm's way or puts them uh, in a situation where you know death is inevitable inevitable, he thinks about it he rationalizes it he tries to come up with a way to maybe try to do it differently but ultimately takes that choice that he's taken as the war doctor but I really felt like my only nitpick with this was I felt that he sent Ceratrix to his death too easily and then didn't have much remorse over it by saying well he had already signed his death now well, I agree, but I sort of expect any incarnation of the doctor to, you know, have at least that moment of uh, remorse or that moment of, you know, was that the right thing? Could I have done something more to, you know, to save him? Um, he was a little too flippant for me on on when uh, uh, what's her name uh, the Velkin said, you know, well, he he died or no, I think it was. Um, Rejoice that was was talking about him going to his death. Anyway, one of them bringing that up. Uh, so that was one of my only nitpicks about it. That and the fact that it's got the uh, uh, Return of the King false endings <laughs> two or three times. Not as bad, but <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of times that I thought, oh, okay, this is over. The dogs have been dispatched. 
Oh, wait, then we've got this other group. Uh, uh, the uh, I can't remember. I never can remember what their name is. But oh, the Tallians. Yeah, we've got yeah. the Tallians, and there's there's this. Okay, okay, we've we've taken care of that. Oh, now wait, now we've got Alistra stepping in to, to, to do her thing. It's just, so it was one thing after another, which I thought I was fine with, but I kept thinking, all right, this thing really just needs to get over with. <laughs> I, I can kind of see what you're saying about the characterization for the War Doctor, but if it were any other incarnation of the War Doctor, or any of uh, the Doctor, it would bother me more than it does here yeah but also because you know the doctor this incarnation won't even even consider the idea of peace with daleks right every other incarnation would initially they'd go well really is this even possible but hold reservation behind he just flat out denies it's even possible so that coupled with the you know not being as remorseful about sarah tricks's death i think ties more into the fact that it's the war doctor incarnation than anything else Mm. I struggle with that as well because while I agree, I think in any version of the of, of the doctor at his heart wants to believe that maybe it's possible. And we've had a couple of stories come down the pipeline that uh, you know, oh the Daleks are actually the good guys in this story. And as listeners, we're all going, uh huh, yeah, right. Sure, sure they are. We don't believe, and the doctor questions it. And we're like, yeah, good on you, doc, because we know we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. And every great blue moon, they do manage to pull the rug out from under us on that. Usually, it's not. It's we. Aha, there it is. But but every now and then we get that moment that's oh, they they actually were not responsible for this. <laughs> oh, okay. And so when the doctor is so blindly. Ah, they're the bad guys, they're the bad guys, they're the bad guys. It it feels a little bit against type, but it also feels like, well, he's very, very, very justified because, well, unfortunately, history's on his side. I mean... Well, they're, look they're, how long this incarnation has been fighting Daleks. Yeah. 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 And, and, and especially for this incarnation because of the time war and how everything's been set up. I mean, they're, they're, they're the driving force of his his entire, you know... Uh, run as it were you, you get some doctors that uh, you know are, are marked by their villains the second doctor certainly was you know the cybermen and the yeti i think were kind of his two big ones mm-hmm. but uh, the, the war doctor it's daleks <laughs> there's, there's there's no doubt there so yeah it, it was both like uh may, may, maybe there's a no you're you're right not to trust him i don't really have to be mean about it and with the the flippant nature of the guy uh, again I, I agree with glenn i think well shouldn't he have it, it, it was it was a quick to dismiss death sentence yeah was it a justified quick to dismiss death sentence eh, maybe <laughs> I, I i struggle with that one too yeah fortunately cardinal Alestra's there to pick up the slack and redirect all of my Veritol toward. <laughs> she is such a wonderfully, I, I can't necessarily say evil, but no. uh, ruthless. Uh, yeah, ruthless. Can I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and in, in many ways, perfect Time Lord bureaucrat. <laughs> because when the reveals come and that this is all the setup for this, it's like, Ah, oh, that just is 
totally something you guys would do. Is, <laughs> <laughs> and none of this mattered. None of the deaths, none of the, oh, yes, it was very regrettable, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh, back to, I got my goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, mm -hmm. Oh, and, and Jacqueline Pierce, uh, who, of course, we you know, know as, uh, uh, oh, what was her name, uh, Cassini. Mm-hmm from uh the the two doctors it's wonderful to have her back in the in the fold as it were um just a fantastic performance mm -hmm. so she was she was a lot of fun and she very quickly i'm not mad at the war doctor anymore because i have you to deal with <laughs> <laughs> i think also what i like is she's she's one of the characters she's one of those kind of ruthless She's she's not really the antagonist, but she's one of those she's one of those kind of slimy people that you just, you love to hate or you hate to love. Um, she's and she continues to be that very much through through the remainder of this uh, series of stories too. Mm -hmm. And she's she's a lot of fun. I did that. That's one of the characters I wish we could get a lot more of. Uh, in the few, unfortunately, I think Jacqueline Pierce, not Jacqueline Pierce. Um, you just said her name. I think she just yeah, Jacqueline Pierce. Okay, Jacqueline she just Pierce. yeah. Okay, she just passed away um, last year, two years ago. I think it was. Yeah, just 2018, recently. I think. Yeah, okay, so unfortunately, we won't get any more. Keith, I was going to ask you because you and I reviewed Engines of War one time when Sean was away, um, and did you get the idea that this might be placed? after engines of war and the reason i say that is because he makes the comment about how he doesn't travel with companions anymore and i suppose i guess i suppose cinder's kind of a a fluke in a way and he's not traveling with companions you know since ace and hex and and whoever else the seventh he traveled with as the seventh doctor i suppose grace and and the eighth doctor too i guess lucy and those so but I, I just I wondered if that was a hint that this was on the heels of Engines of War rather than Engines of War happening after this. Yeah, I couldn't quite tell. Um, I always kind of got the impression that Engines of War really led up to uh, the well, day of the Doctor. I guess it so does. Yeah, of, yeah. I guess you're right. It does. It does. It's not clear. No, I think you're right. Now that you say that, I I remember the elements at the end of that particular story were at least implied it was very near to the fall of um, uh, the fall of Arcadia. Not that it helps clear it up at all, but TARDIS wiki uh, has that exact comment. The doctor says he no longer travels with companions and credits prose engines of war. Oh, okay. So they treat it as a, a reference to that. Huh? All right. Well, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I, let me go. Let me check one other thing here. But there's also a mention of the Sky Trenches. Um, who was it? Ben Bennis? Was that his name? Yeah. He, he also talked about the Sky Trenches, which I suppose, depending upon how long the Battle of Gallifrey actually lasted. Well, but no, if the Daleks were on Gallifrey, the Doctor wouldn't be here. He'd be on Gallifrey. So. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm looking at my favorite so site, The Complete Adventure. Um <laughs> And they, they yes, and let us know what they say. <laughs> he actually has, yeah, Engine of War being the very last thing in the um, before Day of the Doctor, and he does have all of these uh, War Doctor stories ahead of that. So that's his impression too, I guess. I don't know. That works for me. I just wondered. Yeah, it works for me too. 
That's the one I go by. So that's part, my, that's my headcanon now. <laughs> going back to the characterization, part of me um, wishes they had scaled back some of the doctorness to him mm-hmm. more. The first time I listened to it, I remember being a little disappointed that he was so doctory because, you know, the whole idea of the war doctor is that he is nothing like the doctor, but here he is through some of this story being very doctory, especially in the first part. And then kind of more so in the second part and less so in the third part with, you know, him railing against, you can't have peace with Daleks and then being kind of flippant with the, with the death of Sarah tricks and, you know, but it is still him, you know, helping out where he can, where it felt like the idea of the war doctor was supposed to be more of, he goes in and is a warrior and kind yeah. of lays waste to situations. Well, and so I think part of me was disappointed, but another part of me enjoyed it so much that I didn't care. Well, I, I think that I justify that in the sense that he in, in name indeed is trying to get away from, being the doctor or or at least being like the doctor like as he is in the past but i think even because of the nature of the doctor i always assumed it would be very difficult for him to separate himself entirely from it so i thought the first time i i listened to this i was sort of the same way i felt like oh there's, there's still a lot of shades of the doctor in this and i wasn't disappointed by it but i was quite surprised or taken taken by surprise by that but this time going back through and listening again to me this time he felt very much less doctor like and maybe it was in those parts where you were talking about the first and the third story particularly he felt very anti-doctor but um i think i was okay with that because again i think even the war doctor would have could not have severed himself entirely from um his true nature his true being uh, and and put all of that behind him or put all of that aside as he became the warrior i think that he would have still had that struggle that internal struggle so i think that the, these i think these land that very well now not to uh short hand but later on the, the next series of these is when i sort of felt like he was being a little too doctory but we'll get there mm-hmm. we'll get there with yeah. these i think had we gotten a different read on the war doctor in the 50th anniversary i could totally agree with you because i think our expectations with night of the doctor were set such that oh you know because there there, there was so much mystique and so much build up about the time war mm-hmm. and what it did to the ninth doctor that when we suddenly get this little tiny piece and oh it's john hurt Oh man. So, you know, we, we, we have all these preconceived notions of what the doctor's going to be like. And I still remember that, you know, one of the first things I said about the 50th was that I didn't expect to like the war doctor. Mm-hmm. I really was, was shocked that he's, he's still the doctor, even if he doesn't want to refer to himself as that, it's still him. And so if we'd gotten a different take on him and he was the 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 almost villainous monstrous guy that we kind of I think were built up to expect um then I would agree with you but since he's the doctor and he's railing against his nature in some regards um I I, I think it's in in some ways it's like the the the, the third doctor 
and it may be even the 12th that, you know, he's, he's putting on airs of being this very grumpy individual, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's just not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't matter how hard he tries. He's not going to get there. I think what sets, yeah, I, guess, I, I think part of me also thought of, you know, the day of the doctor is him rediscovering who he really is by encountering his future incarnations. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of another reason why I thought we would have a bit more undoctor like war doctor is because the end of his arc is him rediscovering himself in order to become the night doctor again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I think that if you take too much of the doctor out of a doctor who's story, you'll you completely change i think it changes the 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 story so much that you can't enjoy it as a doctor who story and i think that there's a fine line that they're straddling here and i think that part of the reason we were built up so well to think that the doctor was you know a warmonger and and very you know warrior-like and we had a probably maybe a misconception of the doctor is it is very well set up in the name of the doctor with 11th the 11th doctor's disdain for him just in the, the way he reacts when he's, you know, when Clara encounters him at the end where he turns around, I think that's what set us up to, Oh, well, if the 11th doctor just, you know, this is, we don't talk about this. You kind of think, Ooh, wow. What happened in that incarnation? So I think the setup for that was, was well done <laughs> and maybe drove, took us down a different Avenue than maybe it was intended. Yeah, and, and credit Matt Smith with that for, mm-hmm. for selling it. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, the, the, the 50th really, and I, I guess that's another aspect of the 50th that is, it's such a beautifully written tale is that not only does the war doctor kind of rediscovering how to be the doctor again through his other incarnations, his other incarnations are maybe rediscovering that it's okay to forgive yourself. Yeah. Well, it's certainly, I think through him, yeah. I think that know? was certainly the message. I think it was a two way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it all comes down to the magic of John hurt. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's too bad that, um, it was so short lived with the, being able to do these series, but I'm glad we got what we got. So, and yeah. there's, and we've got some yeah. more John hurt, so we can revel in the fact that we've got what, two more, two more series, three, three, three more series. Four total. Cool. All right. Anything else on this uh, set? I, I did enjoy the suspicious start. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the audacity of the Daleks' plan. I know they've kind of tried this before. But, oh yeah, I, you know, I hurling planets at um, at Gallifrey to destroy it. <laughs> right. Well, I think that the 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 the, the simple revelation early on in this uh, before we're led you know led on to that the fact that they're drilling to the core of the planet once again in order to install engines to move the planet i thought okay this is another really cool call callback to you know uh that would have been uh dalek invasion earth another cool callback to something else in in very classic doctor who that i i kind of did that little squee moment in and some a bit ways future it's... callback and you know as far as timeline goes journeys i don't know yeah. 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 In some ways it's almost, you, you, you kind of can't help but wonder, were they maybe hoping to make it look like an accident? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, what? Gallifrey got wiped out by a rogue planet? That's Oops. a damn shame. Not just a, thousand rogue rogue a thousand rogue planets. A thousand rogue planets. It's not that they were going to throw a single planet at them. No, no. The fact that they were going to throw a thousand planets. <laughs> 
right? You know, the, the, the space being what it is, you, you increase your odds of actually hitting something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, next week we return to the world of Titan Comics with uh, the 13th Doctor. We are going to do issues 5 through 8, or if you were a graphic novel person, that would be volume 2 of uh, her adventures. And then also the 8th Doctor Adventures, uh, season 4, number 2, Situation Vacant. So touching base with all of our our favorites, as well as... uh, uh, some of these new things. Uh, beyond that is a discussion of the base under siege story. Not any one specific, but just the trope of bases and being under siege. And uh, a reminder that you can uh, 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 submit some feedback and let us know your thoughts on on the the whole idea of being in a base under siege. That would be a cool escape room. <laughs> Ooh. I, I, aren't most of them <laughs> I thought, in a way based under siege well yeah i guess kind of well you've done more than i have yeah. so you would know but i, I said not all I of them but have an inkling yeah not all of them but i think there there are a few that kind of take that shadows of that model anyway a plan is forming <laughs> uh, and, and then um um uh, following that up with a return to candy jar and uh lethbridge stewart the laughing gnome Havoc Files 5. That is all on the docket. Things to come. Cool. Well, be sure to check out the website, trialonthevortex.com, for updates. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on that patron link and becoming a patron supporter. And uh, also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And make sure you join in the conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook. And I also did want to throw a mention out that uh, we do have a Goodreads book club. You can join the conversations there as well and uh, talk about the most recent book that we're reviewing for the month. And again, thank you, Holly, for uh, uh, administering that for us. Anything else we need to do before we close out this program? Just a quick uh, uh, throw out to uh, Genesis, who won our impromptu Doctor Who Alphabet contest over on Facebook and is the winner of the eSpace Trilogy, because it was an alphabet contest, wasn't that clever? <laughs> and so uh, a reminder to all of you that uh, if you are listening to us, that you should also participate in social media because it might be a, a contest for Patreon members. It might be a Facebook thing. It might be on Twitter. We never know what we're going to do next. But, yes, we, we do do things. So jump in there and, uh, and, and be interactive. Cool. Anything else we need to touch on? If not. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.